Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. The, the entire world will be forced to take a mark of the beast. And I cannot, and this was something for years I struggled with because I could not imagine why would somebody do that? Why would somebody willingly do that? And then part of like, a, like kind of a light bulb going off is like maybe they don't know. Maybe they're not going to be aware. And see, and that's why the driving force is not only to teach you about the end, but it's to teach you how to teach others. And that is my main goal here, is to give you the right tools to help you to, to move forward. Which brings us to what is coming our way. One of the most difficult aspects about the Bible is understanding these events. And, and I can remember one of the uh, when I first started digging into this, I, I came across a lot of questions. And the first place I did is I went right into Pastor Howard's office. And I started hitting him with all of these questions. And, and I did not get the answers I was looking for. I didn't. And that wasn't a slide on him, but that was a slide on, that was my hunger that needed to, I needed to find out on my own. And that's one of the challenges I gave you last week was don't take my word on any of this is take the scriptures and, and do the digging yourself. You can't sit there and say, well, Tom's notes or this, this. And, and, and while I, I'd appreciate that, I want you guys to, to find this and discover it yourself. And, one of the, and I told you, one of the pastors, and I'm not going to bring his name up, but he, he, was, he was an internet preacher, and he had millions of followers, and he had this math formula where he broke it down through the book of Genesis and he just took you on this rabbit trail and it made a lot of sense. And I started to, I'm like, well, that actually makes a lot of sense. And, and what I discovered, and Jesus himself warns us we can't listen to that kind of teaching. And, that, and we're going to go a little bit into this too, but you got to remember that is uh, anytime you see somebody who says, I have the answers, I have the key, to when this is coming, run. Don't entertain it because it's setting you up. And I've also come across teachers that take events out of the Bible and move it forward. And what I mean by that is you will see people say or preachers or teachers say, oh, we're already in it. We're already going through judgments. We're not. And I'm going to show you... <laughs> Over these next three weeks, we're not in God's wrath right now. COVID isn't God's wrath. It isn't. Just like the swine flu wasn't God's wrath. Just like COVID-25, when that comes out in five years, isn't God's wrath. And I'm not making fun of it. I know it's a real disease because I, my father had it. My, my wife, my kids tested positive too. They got pretty sick. And I'm not knocking it. But I also just realized... Is we got it. We always got to realize that when stuff happens, it's you can't relate it to God's wrath on on this planet, even though it's it may make a little sense. We can't do that. And there's one verse here, and you can find this verse in uh, Mark and Luke as well. But um, Matthew twenty four thirty six says, however. No one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. What things? The end times. But Jesus says we can see the seasons, we can see the storm clouds, 
but we don't know when it's going to happen. It says, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only who? The Father knows. And if you're skeptical or you have been burned before, I want you to open up your mind tonight. Open up your heart to it. Say, you know what? I, I, I used to believe in that stuff. I had somebody come up and tell me that this week. You know what, Tom? I don't even know why you're bothering doing this. He was in his mid-60s. He goes, I've heard 18 preachers in my life tell me about this stuff. And guess what? We're all still here, huh? That's what he told me. And I won't go into the discussion because he wanted to argue. And I, 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 won't, I won't argue. I'll, I'll discuss. But I won't get into these arguments over this. Um, but uh, my point being is, is we have to, as we go forward into these events, you have to take what Matthew and what's found in Matthew very serious. You cannot ever listen to somebody or someone who says the end is coming in 2035. Or I've seen ones, I actually, you can even look it up, 2028, 2027, I've heard. I've, heard, I've seen that one too, and, and that's where I want to stress to you, we can't do that as tempting as it might be. Date setting, no matter how good it sounds, is dangerous with unnecessary consequences. And how many people, and I, that, that gentleman I was arguing with, I know he probably heard some teaching and he got hyped up and it never panned out. So his whole philosophy was, you know what, I'm not even going to bother anymore. And that's, that to me, is a, that's, that's a sad consequence. That's what I don't want any of you guys to do when you start teaching others and you start telling everybody about the end times is make sure you don't take them on this rabbit trail that can lead to, to consequences because the false information hurts people. It'll hurt people. How many, I mean, I don't remember who's that, uh, David Koresh, I think is his name. That was a guy, I think, and he really led a lot of people astray on that. And what it does is it causes Bible prophecy to get confusing. Meaning if you take it outside of the literal sense, which I believe the way it was intended, it, everything gets confused and you start asking a million questions. Then you start questioning everything on it. Well, I, how, do I believe, how do I believe this if this ain't happening? And that's, where, that's why I wanted to drive in last week. You have to stay literal with this. You have to because you, you'll set yourself up for confusion. And learning the correct sequence, it helps you do one thing. It makes you aware you'll start to see what's wrong. And that to me, is, I believe, is really important because as, as we start to see the world get a little crazier, it's getting crazier, right? Yeah. Look on the news, just crazy stuff. Even people who don't even want to... I had uh, another co-worker, doesn't even want anything to do with God. He's like, man, this world is going nuts. And, and, and yeah, and that's a golden opportunity for us to, to, to teach people. And we do that by starting to see what's wrong. And if you don't believe in what I'm saying, I'm not attacking you. So please don't take it as that. I'm not doing this. I'm just telling, I'm asking you that you hear me out. And then you dig this for yourself. And then you ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom. Because that's, I believe, is the answer to it. Um, oops, jumped a slide. We're going to do something that's called back scheduling. Has anybody ever heard of that? In business world, I see a couple people nodding. Back scheduling. 
you can learn how to understand Bible prophecy by doing something called a back-scheduling exercise. Back-scheduling exercise involves going to the very end of a process and then identifying the outcome or results. And then you list all the things that must happen to produce that outcome to get them in the correct order. And I put up there any questions because this is, I want to pause here because I want to make sure everybody understands what we're doing. Tom is not up here trying to rewrite things. I'm not. I'm not giving you a whole new order. What I'm doing is my wife, she likes to read books from the very backwards and go forward. I don't know why, but she told me that, and I'm like, why would you do such a thing? <laughs> but she does. And we're kind of going to do that. We're kind of going to start at the back, and we're going to kind of work forward, because what I want you guys to see is as we're doing that, you're going to kind of see why these things have to happen before this next event happens. And, and there's a couple events in here, that, and one of them I'll highlight that I was was going to teach for over these four weeks, but like I told you, I felt God telling me not to do it, but I'm still going to give you some, a little more information on it, just because I, it, to me, it's one of the most important in, uh, prophecies in the entire Bible. So does anybody have any questions about the back scheduling? We're all good? Okay. Remember, we're just starting at the back and moving forward. And it's simpler than it sounds, and it's simpler in Bible prophecy than in business because there's fewer events to organize. And what I did is I have seven events, the key events, and this is, not, the Bible doesn't say they're the key events, but I believe they're the key events because once you can understand these seven events, all of the rest of the pieces will start to fit in much easier. You'll start to understand the bold judgments, the seal judgments. When you hear words like, Daniel's 70th of the week, when you hear uh, phrases like the Magog invasion, or you hear uh, the return of Christ, you hear New Jerusalem, you hear these phrases that when you start digging, it'll, it'll make a little more sense. And what I've done is these seven major events, they've come out of Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Zechariah, and the book of Revelation. And what we're going to do is we're going to list these events in no particular order, and then we're going to kind of go backwards to kind of work our way back to figure out how we came to that. And I, there's seven, and I, like, I kind of hinted at these are the seven keys to understanding what we're going to be looking at. It is, you can call them the building blocks, because once you've got these seven figured out, it gets a lot easier for you. And like I said, the main, main tool I want you guys to learn from this is to teach other people, is to warn other people and not be afraid to do it because it, it, the, the topic can be confusing. It can be intimidating. It can. I mean, if you were to just open up the book of Revelation and go right to Revelation 16 where there's verses that talk about uh, blood up to five, five to six feet deep for 200 miles, that's pretty scary, isn't it? And see, what we have to do, though, is we have to keep these things in context. So when you're introducing these to people, they're not just jumping to Revelation 16. It's a little finicky. And I, I, I kind of entitled these The Magnificent Seven. Off of that movie, yes, that, that old movie. The first... Uh, and these are no particular order. The first one is Daniel's 70th week. Everybody heard of that one pretty much? Daniel's 70th week. What about the Gog-Magog invasion? Anybody aware of that one? 
I believe this, this one, the, the Gog-Magog invasion, has some verses in there that will literally make your jaw hit the floor. And I'll cover a few of them today, and then the rest of them will be covered over the next two weeks. But in eternity, we all agree with that, right? We're all going to die. We're all going to spend eternity, heaven, or hell. There's no really debate there. The millennial kingdom, kingdom. We've all, most of us heard that one, right? The rapture, there's one. Maybe you don't agree with that, but I'll, stay with me. The great tribulation, we've all heard that. If you've watched those big three movies, you know that. And the second coming of Christ. What we all in this room, we all want that. Anybody tired? <laughs> You're like, yeah, get me out of here. We're all, we're all waiting for that, that second that second coming of Christ, every one of us. And what we're going to do is, as I go through these, I, I grabbed a verse that, to me, is like a snapshot verse that kind of gives you a brief idea of what each of these topics is about. Um, and like I said, some of these are quite controversial, and, and it, the rapture, to me, is the headliner of them all. If you want to start an argument, bring up the rapture. I have openly, I have seen pastors and preachers openly mock it. Just mock it, make fun of it. I, have, I don't agree with that, but it can cause a debate. And what we got to remember as we start getting into this is God not only wants us to understand the prophetic future, but he wants to challenge us. And I put that in there because one of the things as I was digging in there, I'm like, wow, man, I'm reading how God's going to use this time to get rid of sin and all this other stuff. And God's like, well, why don't we get rid of this bitterness you have? Why don't we get rid of this first while we're doing this? And, and he also wants to make us comfortable with the end times. So when you see it, and I'm not saying just kind of kick your feet back and say, let's go with your tea. No, but I mean comfortable with the idea of it. Comfortable that, hey, the end times is coming, but we know the back of the book, right? <laughs> we know who wins. And, and, and this is where the order, once you guys see this order, it's going to make so much sense. You're going to say, wow, I never saw that before. And before we get into this, I just want to re-stress to you guys, there is nothing new. I'm not going to break some new crazy order of events or sequences for you. I, I'm not. I'm just taking the sequences most of us know and just putting them in a different order. The first one is step seven, which is eternity. And I'm going to read each one of these slides with you um, because I, I, I want to, the next week is I'm going to spend a lot of time and I want to read all the verses I put in here with you. But anybody who's familiar with what the Bible has to say knows that when we pass away, we step into eternity. No matter how you get there or what you believe, eternity is the outcome for all of us. There are two eternal outcomes. One after death, one is with God or one is isolated from him. And the verse that I put up there was out of 2 Corinthians 12, 4, out of the New Living Translation. And if you guys want to go home and read this tonight, I encourage you because it'll, it'll really make you think. And Paul's writing this and he says, that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words Things no human is allowed to tell. Wow. 
You know, and, and I was reading through some quotes, and I found this one by Billy Graham, and he was asked, hey, is there going to be golf in heaven? And Billy Graham's reply was, if it's a key to happiness, yes. And, and, and kind of making a little more closer, you guys, how many of you knew Pastor Howard in this room? A lot of us did, and one of the times, we were having a discussion about eternity, and he brought up to me, he says, Tommy, he called me Tommy, because when, when he came to the church, I was a lot smaller. A lot more hair, a little, little younger, but uh, he, when he came to the church, he says, he called me Tommy all the way to the point he died, but he says, Tommy, when I get to heaven, and you guys will appreciate this, I'm going to put my overalls on, overalls, on, overalls on with no shirt and my flip-flops. <laughs> and, if, yeah. and it's funny because he, he, he would show pictures of him not wearing a shirt with overalls on. And he goes, I'm going to go fishing for a thousand years. He says, when you get here, come find me. And, and I, I always found that comical, but there's a lot of truth to it. And, and what I want to do is, is, if you guys were to think of eternity in heaven, what would you think of? We're all, I bet you there, wouldn't, there might be a few reasons or a few answers that are the same. And some of them would be, oh, I, I want to go see my grandma I haven't seen in a long time. I wonder what my Spanglish-speaking grandma would have to say in Spanglish because she would talk to you in Spanish and English in the same sentence. She would do that. And I wonder what she would have to say. Those are answers probably a lot of us would do. But I, one of the things I always joke with my kids, my kids would ask me, and I'd say, you know, when I, when I get up there, I, I'm going to get on the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> And explore the universe with Jesus. <laughs> That's what, and my kids are like, are you really going to do that? And I'm like, Why not? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But what I do know is Paul said there's things so astounding that can't be expressed in words. And that no human is allowed to tell. That's pretty crazy to me. So what precedes eternity in the big timeline? Step six is the millennial kingdom. Eternity, by its very definition, means, the, means unending time or infinity. This means the last event that unfolds before eternity must have time associated with it. The last event in the Bible tied to time as we know it is the millennium. This thousand-year period begins after Jesus physically returns to earth and reigns over the entire planet in perfect rule. And the verse I use for this is Zechariah 14.9. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. And on that day, there will be one Lord. His name alone will be worshipped. And you can read, and if you want to write this down for your own study, you can read through Isaiah 65 and Revelation chapter 20. And you will see they're written by two different people, Many, 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 many years apart, but they're literally describing the same thing. And I want to let, that's kind of a little rabbit trail I want to leave for you guys to go home and read this. And you'll, you'll see some answers, you'll see some verses in there that'll blow your mind in there. And we know it's a thousand years. It's mentioned two times in Revelation 20, 21. And we know it's a thousand years because at the end of the thousand year period, it, the, John highlights the fact that Satan will be released from his prison to fool the world all over again. 
I don't understand that one. I'm not even going to comment on it. I don't, I don't understand it outside of the fact it's to prove a point that mankind cannot even avoid sin even when Christ is, is running the show. We're just jacked, as, as Pastor Howard used to say, we're jacked up campers. We're just jacked up. We can't, and even the, and the people who are there, and you'll read in these, these verses that uh, people will live back to the old ages while they're on the earth during that millennial kingdom as they did back in Adam's time. They'll live hundreds and hundreds of years old. There'll be no war. It'll all be perfect rule. You'll have... Every year there'll be most of the planet outside of the Jews will have to come to the temple, which you guys can figure that out. And, and, uh, it says the people will have to walk to the temple to, uh, for, for a feast once a year or they won't get rain on the earth. And how are people to walk from Arizona all the way to Israel? That's a real question. And, and I believe the Bible it kind of gives us the answers and we'll kind of uncover that. But it's, um, the world's going to change. <laughs> Not only from a, a geographic standpoint, but from a worship standpoint. Well, so what has to happen next? The, the fifth one, the second coming. Knowing that the millennium involves around a 1,000 year reign of Christ, this means the second coming has to occur first. We can't have a reign of Jesus if he hasn't returned to earth, right? At the first coming of Christ, and this was, and I, this was something, a, a quote I saw, and I don't remember who wrote it. When I originally wrote this down, I couldn't find the quote again, and I might even paraphrase on it. At the first coming of Christ, Jesus arrived as the Savior, but this time when he comes back, he's the conquering king. And it, yeah, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's like, yes, but when you, and you can write this down too, Zechariah chapter 12 through Zechariah chapter 14 and some of Revelation 19 tells you what happens to the, to the earth when he returns. It's not a pretty picture for those who are at war against them. We've all, the battle of Armageddon is what that is known as and you can see what happens when he returns. He, and, 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 what, and, and to me, it's just amazing. It, it's all God because he, he, everything, the entire battle is fought with the words of his mouth. That's so God, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, man, all you people want to put a million-man army up against me? <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. And that's what happens with this. Revelation 19.11 says, Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. And that verse kind of dovetails into those scriptures I encourage you guys to read on. What's that war he's talking about? It's over quick. That's a hint. So what happens before Jesus returns? Step four, the great tribulation. Before Jesus can make a second appearing, the world must experience an event known as the great tribulation. This is a three-and-a-half-year-long time period that will be, without a doubt, the worst 42 months this planet will ever experience. The entire seven years is rough, but Christ himself says these last three-and-a-half years are going to be the worst. And, it, and if he didn't shorten that, no one would survive, he says. 
Christ tells us that the great tribulation begins in the middle of the last seven years on earth. Once again, we learn something else has to happen before that. Matthew 24, 21 says, For then there will be great tribulation, such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. God, you need motivation to win people to Christ, man, right there. Right there. I don't want anybody to go through that. And when you stop and, and you read through this, you're going to say, man, even that guy down at Circle K I don't like? Yeah. That guy down at Circle K. That, what about that waiter, man, who spilled the soup on me? Yeah, that one too. What about that customer who cussed you out? Yeah, that one too. So we learned something else has to happen. Three and a half years in, it's called the Great Tribulation. What has to happen before that? Step three is Daniel's 70th week. These last seven years on earth before Christ's return is known as Daniel's 70th week. The prophet Daniel tells us in the 70th week on earth begins, that's key, when Israel makes a seven-year covenant with the world leader and the third temple is built. There hasn't been a temple in Jerusalem since the last one was destroyed almost 2,000 years ago. And Israel hasn't needed a temple because the nation, has, the nation as a whole has had no desire to go back to reinstate any covenant with God. Which brings to the question, well, what has to happen to make Israel want to build another temple? What has to happen? Daniel 9.27 says, He will confirm a covenant, that's the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant with the many, which is Israel, for one seven. In the middle of the seven, Jesus quotes this about the end, he will put an end to the sacrifice and offering, which means the temple is running and there's sacrifices going on inside of it. And at that temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. And I've come across teachings where you see somebody say Daniel's, what happened, what Daniel's talking about has already happened. And to that I ask, well, why would Jesus quote that as one of the signs of the end? Because Daniel, when he said this, was many, 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 many years before Christ said this. Yet Jesus quotes it when he's talking to the disciples about what, 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 what's, what, what's the world going to be like when it, when it all ends. He quotes a, a, a passage out of Daniel. So there's another proof to me on why this stuff hasn't happened yet. Christ talking about the world coming to an end is quoting a passage that a lot of teachers and preachers use to say, hey, this has already happened. And that's where I, I, I don't agree with that. And again, if that is you, I do um, forgive me for that. There's still hope for you. <laughs> Step two, the Gog Magog invasion. This was the event that I was going to, I was going to spend the time teaching on. Uh, I was going to spend four weeks on it. Uh, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, I spent a year studying this, and I was so floored by it because there was item, there was verses through, and you can write this down. It's Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39. Those are the two path, the two chapters. It is by far the most detailed 
prophecy in the entire Bible, and it not only details the combatants, it details where it happens, it details what happens, and it even details the cleanup afterwards. Go figure that one out. Um, Ezekiel 38.16 says, you, this is Gog and Magog, and, and if you're wondering who Gog and Magog and there's a, all these names are, I'll cover those when, next week. I'll give you guys kind of a, a very quick snapshot of it, but you will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I'm hallowed in your eyes. Oh, hallowed in you, O oh God, before their eyes. And these, my little write-up to the, to the right is I, it, or kind of my paraphrasing of verses we're going to cover next week. And a major event takes place that changes Israel and the entire world. The prophet Ezekiel teaches us about a battle that it changes everything. In Ezekiel 38, it says there's going to be an earthquake when this happens that is felt across the entire world. Every living creature, every wall will feel it. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. The war not only changes the planet from a geographic standpoint, but God uses the war to show everyone that Bible prophecy is true. Ezekiel 39, you can read through that in the, I want to say, middle of it. It'll tell you, it'll show, hey, I warned you guys about this a long time ago, but now you guys are going to see. And there's a promise made to Israel, and, this, and, you, and I, it's on the uh, last paragraph I have on there. This conflict announces his presence to Israel, and as a result, Israel turns to God. You can underline that from that day forward. You see it inside there that where, where the whole nation realizes, whoa, whoa. Because you've got to understand is... Ezekiel comes out of the Old Testament and to a lot of, to Jewish people, that's, that's where the Bible is. They don't really follow the new. It's all about the old. So when you have a war coming that has been prophesied for thousands of years, and, and, and I, I don't want to go into too much news on there, but a, a brief hint is look at what's happening with countries Russia, Turkey, and Iran. Chuck Missler, if you guys know who he is, he called them the treacherous trio because those were the three that, are, that God says is going to spearhead this entire invasion. So what must happen before the Magog invasion? Any guesses? <laughs> Step one, the rapture. Before God deals with Israel in an unrepentant world, he takes an unspecified full number of Gentiles off the planet first. This is an event that many of us know as the rapture. When this full number of believers in Christ is reached, God moves his attention towards Israel. Romans 11, 25, 26, and I believe this is the, the driving force behind this belief system is this this verse right here with Ezekiel 39. It says, I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. <laughs> so what an opening, huh? Hey, everybody, listen to what I got to say. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only 
until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. You're like, well, what, how is that the rapture? Well, if you look at that word, the, the word full number, it was used in nautical terms back in the, um, when this was written. And what it basically meant is they wouldn't launch this ship off until the full number of goods and crew were on board. And so what Paul is saying, hey, God is not going to deal with Israel until the full number of Gentiles, full number of people that I've been working on and reaching is full. And if you guys stop and think about this for one second. Wow. So here we have Paul warning, hey, if you're ready to get off this planet, start saving people. <laughs> get that full number. It's unspecified. And, and I encourage you guys, if you're, uh, and if you're like, well, I've never heard this before, do a word study on this. Because one of the things you'll see in, in, back in Ezekiel 39 is um, you'll kind of see the relationship between this passage and what is going on with Israel moving from that day forward. Because Israel's hearts, they change after the Magog invasion. And God says that the, Magog, the, the Israel won't change until the full number of Gentiles come to Christ. And, and that full number, and just so you guys also mean, it doesn't mean just to store up in the ship. It means to forcefully remove. Amen. Not to just load up and just float off, but literally to yank them out. And there's some verses from Isaiah, and, and a lot of them we've already heard from Thessalonians and stuff I'm going to bring into to next week. But the correct sequence, going now we're starting back at the, the correct timing, is the rapture, the Magog invasion, Daniel's 70th week, the great tribulation, the second coming of Christ, the millennial kingdom, and then eternity. That's your, I, and, and like I said, I will, if you're on the fence, hang with me. Because I'm going to give you a bunch of stuff over these next, these last two weeks to give you stuff to go read for your own self. And to realize that why, when, and, and I know Pastor Alex, uh, my parents, my wife, I, I know I tortured her with all my Magog news events for years. I would bother her, but the Magog invasion, when you start to see nations, these specific nations lining up after a 2,500 year period of non-existence against Israel, you start to say, wow, are we getting close? <laughs> are we maybe closer? I don't know. I'm not sure, but there's, I can sure see some storm clouds. Not saying this is going to happen because tomorrow... Because there's been times I thought we were right on that edge, but it, it just kind of calmed down. One of the teachers I listened to used to say that the Holy Spirit is working overtime on his restraining. He's like, it ain't time yet. He's restraining it all. Uh, and as I begin to wrap this up, think of it like this. The Bible is a love letter for God from, to each one of us. Amen. Right? Would we all agree? And, and I again, emphasize this point. Read it literally as you would a letter from a friend. If somebody wrote you a letter, would you try to take the words and make it confusing? If your mom wrote you a letter, you know, back when, or, wrote, or I'll, I'll get to the, 
to 2021. If your mom sent you a text, <laughs> would you look at it differently than how she wrote it? No. We wouldn't. God's intention for these end times letter is to guide us, warn us, and offer us the key to salvation. One of the things, that's why you've, I, I've heard Pastor Alex and others preach it before, the blessed hope. There's a reason why it's called the blessed hope. And I hope this thing works. So in summary, for tonight, it's always important remembering as we're, we're digging into the end times, no one knows the day or the hour. Not me, not you, not your favorite pastor, not your favorite teacher. And then there are seven building blocks for a strong foundation and to review those. And this thing is... The rapture, the Gog-Magog invasion, Daniel's 70th week, the great tribulation, the second coming of Christ, the millennial kingdom, and then eternity. And next week, we're going to do something called a closer look. And what I'm going to encourage everybody in here to do is to get their shovels out because it's time to dig deep. We're going to dig into some verses. And one of, them, one of them in there out of Isaiah 65 that I personally found very painful. Just being honest. Remember Pastor Howard? Could I be transparent? And he'd cover his big old mustache up. <laughs> that's what, and that's what I want to do is I want to be transparent as we go through this. And um, I thank you guys for coming out. And, it, and I'll take questions. And if you have questions, please email me, no matter how complex they are. And if, you, if anybody stumps me up here, I'll congratulate you. <laughs> because I don't have it all knowledge, but I will do my best to answer for you. Any questions? A couple of them. Um, And if you didn't hear, he basically was saying that if we don't stand to protect Israel, we're finished. And there is biblical um, foundation to that comment. Zechariah, there is a, uh, a word to all of the countries who decide to make war against Israel. And he says, you're basically going to get destroyed if we do not support Israel. And that, that's not my words. That's not Mike's words. That's, you can read it. And it's like Zechariah 14 and Zechariah, the first parts of Zechariah 12. Zechariah 12 warns that any nation that tries to move Israel to divide the land is only going to hurt itself. Zechariah 14 turns around and, and goes into further detail. This is what happens to the countries who come to the battle of Armageddon. And it goes in, and I'm not even going to go there because, and you can read that yourself because there are some pretty graphic um, verses inside there. I saw another hand. Yeah, I was talking about the 
while back, and I was telling him about the gospel, and he said that's God's version of the, the Bible. He said there's a version for Satan, so it shut me down right there because I didn't know what to say. And that, that is, that's a tough... And, and if you didn't hear, he, he was in a discussion with somebody who said that there was, this was God's version of the Bible and there was Satan's version of the Bible out there. I personally don't believe that. I believe this, this is the only, the Bible is the only place we need to go to. Amen. And, I, and I've seen videos and other studies on how to talk to people that have different beliefs and faith as you and maybe find one that works that way or, and pray, pray for the Holy Spirit to open doors for you to speak to that man. And yeah, because it's hard. I, I had one of the, I, I was, I drew a, a house for a, a Muslim here in town and he was literally out quoting me on the Bible. And I'm just sitting there looking at him like, wow, man. And he's like, well, if I'm going to talk to people like you, I got to know what you believe. And he he left me kind of in my, uh, (laughs) I'm like, well, I'm going to tuck my tail between my legs and thank you for your business, sir. (laughs) And and, yeah, and that's, yeah, and I think that's why we need to study. We do. And I'm not the poster child for perfect Bible studying by any stretch of the imagination, but we all can get better at studying. Amen. Any other questions? She brought up, if you didn't hear, she brought up how Israel, even not even through a biblical perspective, has been a focus point for global events in the history books. And to kind of go with you, what she was saying is there's two cities that uh, the top two cities mentioned in the Bible are Jerusalem and Babylon. Chew on that one for one minute. Babylon is the other one. In Revelation 17, 18, Jeremiah 50 and 51, all talk about Babylon's destruction. And if, that, if that's a topic that interests you, uh, remember that um, in Revelation 17, John writes mystery Babylon on there, which means we're not going to know who it is or what city it is. I've seen America being portrayed as the mystery Babylon. I've seen... New York is Babylon. Anybody seen that one? <laughs> yeah, I, I, and all I know is what the Bible says. We don't know. It's a mystery. But yeah, Jerusalem is the focus point. And, and the one thing that has always stuck out to me, and I wasn't alive, but Israel was gone for almost 2,000 years, and in 1948 it was reborn. And then in 1967, uh, Jerusalem became the capital again. That's why a lot of us were excited when the, uh, our former president put our embassy back in Jerusalem because we saw like, wow, this is amazing. Um, any other questions, comments? What about the angels? <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about that before we started, but the angels do play a part in the end. 
You can, in Revelation 19, they do. Um, one of the, in Matthew 24, uh, Luke 21, Mark 13, they all talk about as in the days of Noah, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man. And the angels, if you read Genesis chapter 6, come to your own conclusions on that. Um, Genesis 6, if you want to write that down about the angels, just as in the days of Noah. And that's, like I said, that is a, a, a rabbit trail for me, but it sure is a fascinating one. Uh, any other comments, questions? He's at, if you didn't hear, he's asking what happens when the restrainer is gone. I, I, I believe it's Ephesians, and I don't know where it's at. Where the, when once we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit is sealed inside of, our, inside of us. And I believe when the rapture, and I believe that's what you're asking, Trav, is when the rapture happens, what happens? Where's the restrainer go? I believe he's still going to operate on the earth, the Holy Spirit. He's still going to be there, but what's going to happen is he's not going to stop stuff from happening. He's going to kind of say, I'm going to step out of the way because this is God's taking over from here. Is that kind of what you're looking for? Yep. Any other questions, comments? That's it. Okay, well, thank you for coming. We'll close in prayer. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this time together. And I pray, God, that you would uh, just continue to open our eyes, God, and take us on this journey of the end times. God, make us aware of any mistakes we're making. God, whether it's myself or anybody in this room, God, we do not pretend to know it all. And I thank you, Lord, for this time together. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.